0: Even those hidden things that we could whisper secretly in our hearts right now are, you, you know every single thought. And so this morning, move us, inspire us, convict us through your word to, to, to see what we need to see and to make the decisions in our lives that will impact us for eternity. Father, help us, in fact, to be rich towards you to make the decisions today, this week. And this year, that we will live our lives being rich towards you. We pray all this through Jesus. Amen. Amen. Luke chapter 12, verse 13. Then someone from the crowd said to him, Teacher, or Rabbi, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus, I want you to give me a decision here on the spot. But Jesus said to him, man, this word kind of carries with it a strong, strong, uh, you know, in our vernacular, it'd be dude, you know, you do but a strong dude. It's not like dude. It, it, it was like a very strong. <laughs> Who made me a judge and arbitrator between you two? Don't involve me in this. Then he said to them. Watch out and guard yourself from all types of greed. Because one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he told them a parable. The land of a certain rich man produced an abundant crop. He's euphoric. This word is hes he's filled with euphoria. He's excited. He's pumped up about what, what has happened. So he thought to himself, what, what shall I do? I have nowhere to store my crops. Then he said, I'll do this. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to myself, Self, you have plenty of goods stored up for many years. Relax. Eat. Drink, celebrate. God said to him, you fool, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded back from you, but who will get what you have prepared for yourself? So it is with the one who stores up riches for himself, but is not rich toward God. And hence the title of the sermon, Rich Toward God. If you're taking notes, I want you to do this right at the, at the top. I want you on the left side of your page to put a little dot. If you have a computer or an iPad or whatever that is, uh, you know, put a period. And then I want you to draw a line across that page all the way to the left side. Sorry, the right side. You can't go to the left. All the way to the right side. That little dot, and you've heard me use this analogy about the rope before, but that little dot signifies your life on earth. That line signifies all of eternity. And, of course, that line would continue to go on for eternity. And Jesus wants to bring... His listeners and us to this idea that, that the decisions we make in our lives either to be rich towards God or to, to focus on ourselves will in fact affect all eternity. And so a seeming interruption in Jesus' life and Jesus' teaching here turns into an opportunity for Jesus to say, listen, where are you focusing? What parts of, of, of that on your page are you focusing on? That little dot, or are you focusing on all of eternity? The decisions that you will make today, and this, this is very important, the decisions that you make today, whether you, what you do with this sermon, can in fact affect all eternity. What you do with the first sermon of 2015 can affect how you will live your life the rest of 2015. But what do we see from this passage? You may not get a chance to live that whole year. So are you focused on the dot, or are you focused on the lines? So the context, Jesus is interrupted. And as a rabbi, rabbis often were were asked to you know, mediate and intervene between, you know, jud- judicial decisions and uh, things of the law. And so likely that this uh, this family, the father had died, and now this likely is a younger brother because he comes to Jesus and he says, you know, I, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. As an older brother, he would have had that, that choice, but as a younger brother, it was left up to the older one to decide when the inheritance was in fact divided. So where is this young man living? He's living for that dot. He's saying, "I want I want my inheritance now. I want what is mine." He's living for the period. And Jesus addresses this whole idea and he uses this young man to say, Watch out. Be on your guard. See, his heart was revealed, his decisions in his life were revealed. To be on your guard, to watch out, is to pay attention to be on heightened alert, to be vigilant. If it suddenly got very cold here today and the roads began to freeze and I said, be careful, watch out for black ice, how would you drive home? I hope you would drive home with caution. I hope you would reduce your speed. You would be aware that black ice can't be can't really be seen all of a sudden you're on it and your car can go out of control if in your neighborhood homes were being broken into and I said you need to watch out for for burglaries what would you do would you leave your doors open would you would you uh, not turn on your alarms if you had alarms no you would do all that you could to make sure and be vigilant that those things would not get broken into Jesus had earlier said, watch out for what? The yeast of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Be on your guard. Do something about it. God looks at what is inside, not simply what we do on the outside. Again, he is the God who sees everything. So watch out. Make sure... That you are dealing with what is inside. And he says, Be aware of all types of greed. And we'll talk more about this. This is not just money, these are the desires that that within you bring some sense of worth, of what you value. And this parable is very clear, and it it is not as, as there is a it used to be a bumper sticker, you know, the one with the most toys wins. This, this is a, it's clearly a story that that does not happen. You can have everything kind of in this world and lose everything. And he calls this man a rich fool, or he calls him a fool. God calls him a fool. Why? You read through the Proverbs, a fool is one who had no concept of who he was living before. Had no concept of God. There is no, the, the Proverbs say, there is no fear of God before his eyes. He lives his life just for himself. Doesn't live it with an understanding that God will call all of us to account. He calls, God calls him a fool because your life will be held accountable. The rich man had great plans, thinking about how he may retire, how he might enjoy life, but it was all about him. What will I do? What will I get to experience? How will I get to sit back, eat, drink, and celebrate life? But God was nowhere in the picture. His life was not lived in accounting of God. And so God says, This very night, your soul, your breath, the things that you have been spending your life on will be demanded of you. This is an accounting term. Our lives before God are held to account. How we live our lives, how we, our marriages, our families, as a student, as, as an employee. What we do with our lives are held accountable to God. How are we living? Verse 21 says, There is something expected from us. This is how it will be for anyone who stores up things for himself but is not rich toward God. So it underscores all of that Jesus has been teaching. You again, live your eyes before God. See, we can fool man with hypocrisy. We can fool others with our riches and what we desire. They may not see it on the outside necessarily, but we are greedy on the inside because we live for self but one person we can never, ever, ever fool, and that is God. He sees it all, and so the challenge back then, as is the challenge to us today, is how will we make decisions to be rich toward God? Let's first of all define a little bit about greed, because greed is an intense desire of something. It's to, you got to kind of visualize it, it's to hold, hold on. A desire for more, and again, is it simply money? It's, it's much more than that. So ask yourself the question, what is it that you deeply, deeply desire? You know, there's the saying that, that money talks, and we often use it kind of in a, in a influential way that money talks and it gets influence and it can make things happen but money talks in the way that it it fools us money talks and says you need this wouldn't this be great to have and it whispers in our ear and it seduces us and says you will be worth something if you get this see, it's much more than money that talks to us, the desires in our hearts. How about acceptance? How about wanting to fit in at school? How about wanting to be a part of, of, a, of the, 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 the crowd that is popular? How about wanting to be thought, well thought of at, on, on the job? And that perhaps we would compromise because we want to be well thought of on the job. We, we are concerned more about what people think of us. What about our opinions and our contributions? We want them to count. We, what, what about our securities? What about those of us who are getting up in age? Our retirement. You know, I've talked to some and, and as As the market you you put your investments in the market and the markets go up and down and up and down, it brings anxiety to people. Because their retirement is is caught up in that. Is that where you get your security? That someday I will get to retire and 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 I'll get to relax and, and but what if the market crashes? Then what will I get? Do you find and have security in that possessions? Take a second. Think about what that is for you. What is that for you? I want to do something here as we kind of parallel this man and what it would mean to be rich toward God. So we've got We've got the man, the fool, if we can call him that, that is rich toward himself. So these will be my points. How has this fool been rich toward himself? Number one, he lives by his personal will and thinks only about himself. Where are this man's decisions based on what he wants to do? God is not in the picture. All through this passage, I will do this. I will, I will, I will, I will. What I think is what is best. So it is his own will, his own thinking that consumes his thinking. What will I do with the abundance This man's decisions have no perspective, no outside counsel even. And it's interesting, in our lives, the more self-focused we get, the circle of influence in our lives begins to shrink. And think even about decisions in your life that you make. The more selfish you get, the more you make those decisions on your own and the more you're less likely to seek input because you're thinking about yourself, if I get this advice, it may in fact go against what I am thinking. And so to ask yourself the question, where is the circle of influence of godly men and women in your life to seek counsel, godly perspective on the decisions you make in your life? Is it this or is it this? This man's life was this. Well, actually, it was this. It was one. I will think this is what I will do. Self, that's all it it was. Self-talk. If we're going to be rich towards God, we, we've, got to, we've got to have input in our lives. And so that's the second part. So it's, he, how is he, he's rich towards himself. Let's look at the second. I wanted to have some slides, but it was kind of too busy to put on there, so you'll have to go with me here. Number one on rich towards God on this side. He lives and makes decisions according to God's will. He thinks about God. If you're going to be rich towards God, you've got to have an eternal perspective. Again, you've got to live for the line, not the dot. If we live being rich towards God, we are aware that everything we have has been given to us by God. And I am a steward of the things that God has given me. And the decisions I make, I make with God in mind and with what God desires to do in my life. I make a decision based upon how this will affect my relationship with him, with his people, with his community, uh, each other. My goals are focused not on myself, but they are focused on God. And so my goals, just like Jesus, are for me to live to please him, not myself. And I am aware of the decisions that I make as to what these things do to my heart. All the more that I need input. I need help. I need brothers and sisters to guide me because my heart is deceitful. I often think I am doing better than I am. The decisions I make bring me closer to Him, not distract me from Him. So, the choices I make for myself, for my marriage, for my family, for me, whatever stage of life you are, the decisions you make bring me richness towards God or take me away. Do you see how important this sermon really is? The decision you make today to not look at something that you shouldn't, to not say something that you shouldn't, to not think something in your mind that you shouldn't, to not treat a brother or sister away that, that you shouldn't. All affect being rich towards God or living towards ourselves. We'll talk more and more about this this year. How do we live with this consciousness of Jesus in our life. How do I, and it's hard. Even yesterday, there there are things that I, I'm I'm trying to live for Jesus. And I know, okay, I really should have made this call. But I'm tired. It's, It's challenging. But I'm determined that I'm going to make decisions in my life to be rich toward God. Secondly, let's go back now to riches towards himself. Hopefully, this is not confusing. Number two thinks about what he doesn't have. He thinks about what he doesn't have. So, how does this guy rationalize things? I need. I don't have. I don't have enough place to store my, my crops. And this word, we can't fully understand it. But when you look kind of in the original language, it it it. it it gives this description of a, an absolute determination. He is resolved that there's no place. It's over. It's done. I need bigger barns. It's, that's, that's what we got to do. There's no, there's no negotiation anymore. This is what I need. I don't have enough. And so he's focused on what he doesn't have. I am empty, but if I get this, I will be full. Goes back to his hunger and desire. What was he hungry? He was hungering for some time in his life that he could kind of eat, drink, be merry, and, and celebrate. Then he would be full. And here's the thing. As we think about greed in our lives... Because greed tells us that you're empty, right? Greed tells you that you're empty, that you need something. And greed will say, you can compromise this. You can steal this. You can cheat on this as long as you get ahead. You can show up late for school. You can not do your assignments and, and, and still kind of get by. You, you can compromise. You can pad your expense accounts if you're, you're, you're a, a salesperson. To somehow get what you desire that you, you are greedy for. The things that you do in secret. So he thinks about what he doesn't have. The person on this side who is rich towards God reflects on what God has given. I am grateful to God for what he has done in my life. I am full. God is my treasure. God is who I hunger for. God is who I thirst for. And I will take responsibility. I will be held accountable for what God has given me. And I therefore now will use those things that God has given me for His glory, for His use. I love Paul in Philippians chapter 3, verse 8 says, I count everything a loss because of the surpassing worth, the worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. That I may gain Christ because in Christ I am full. In Christ my hunger And my thirst is fulfilled. I want to use what God has given me for his glory and his use. Still with me? Three, lives to please self and lives in the present. That's what the man who's living for decisions in this world. When I get this, I will eat, drink, and celebrate. He lives by his personal desires, his hungers, his appetites, can't wait for the me time the time that spends on him practically for us our recreation perhaps our entertainment what consumes our thinking what do you what do you Twitter about what do you Facebook what do you put are they godly things or are they just simply always worldly things? Things that that it reveals our hearts at times. Are you living for self or are you living for eternity? You know, the reality is, and I don't appreciate this. Even though I was involved in a near tragic accident, you know, in nineteen ninety two. I'm several years removed from that, that, that time. At that point in my life, when I was sitting in a hospital bed, recovering in trauma, I was very much aware that I could have died. Today, I'm not so as understanding. That just, that's just the truth. I'm 53, I'm getting up there, but I still feel that I have several years Got a new hip. <laughs> Been to the doctor. I'm healthy. I've got, I think, several years. But do I? Do I? See, the reality is, this this guy just, he, he, he thought he had all the time in the world. He was not prepared for eternity. So if you're living for You're living for that little dot. Take you back to that thing on the top of your page. You're not not even thinking about perhaps today, tomorrow, this week, this month, this year. You will be on that line. And number three, on the side of being rich towards God, you live to please God. You hunger and thirst for him. And you'll cut out anything that hinders that relationship. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17 to 19, it says, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant. What is arrogance? It's, it's the sense of self-worth. That I have done this. I have achieved this. I am this. Not to be arrogant. Or to put their hope in wealth which is so uncertain. But put their hope in God, who richly provides us everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of life that is truly life. Seems to me Paul is saying you need to live with eternity in mind. And how do we do that? By doing good. By being rich in good deeds. To be generous, to be willing to share. How will you today use the things that God has given you to be rich toward God? How will you use your salvation if you're a disciple of Christ? How will you use your salvation to honor God? How will you be held accountable in your salvation and your relationship with God to grow and to make an impact? If you're married, how will you use your marriage to do that? Parents and family, how will you use your family to be accountable to God? As a student, again, employees, how will we live? Because our lives will be demanded of us at some point. There will be an accounting to all of us. Joyce and I were praying this morning. I mean, the world is oblivious to the fact that they will be accountable, but that does not mean that they, they aren't. They are. They just, they just live in oblivion. I hope that's not true of us, that we live in oblivion to the fact that there is an eternity. It's kind of like what Keith was saying. I mean, you can have communion, but not be aware at times of, of what this is really all about. We can be Christians and disciples and, and have this sense, yeah, I understand, but eternity, but we don't live as if there really is one. You know, there's a song, kind of, live as this, kind of the last, I can't remember the words to it, but live as, this, as if this is the last day of your life. Again, I, I, don't, I don't live there. Doesn't make it any less true, Right? I need to be rich towards God. So let's, let's wrap this up. So how will you be rich toward God today? This week, this year? What, who, and how will you invest spiritually? If you're not a Christian and you're studying the Bible, will you be like Megan who made a decision? To get her life right with God. To wrestle, perhaps, like she did, and all, all of us know, to, to wrestle with, with our, ourselves and, and our sin. But to, but to desire to be rich towards God because He has done so much, He has been rich towards us. Will you get your life right with God immediately? Will you do and make a decision today to get with someone and study the Bible? Will you make a decision this week to, to say this is the last week that I will, I will be lost. I, I, will, I will get my life right with God because I am not guaranteed a next week. As disciples, will you use the things God has given you to His glory and to His use, the things that God has entrusted to you? and I've shared them, your personal relationship with God, your salvation. What will you study this week that will bring you closer to God? How will you be rich towards God? Or are you just kind of winging it in your personal relationship with God? We're going to be looking at this book, The Character of Jesus, or Jesus the Same, I've sent a PDF. If you, you, I've sent it to the Bible Talk leaders. You can talk to your Bible Talk leader. You can, you can get this free of charge. So if you, you want it, talk to them. They'll, they'll fire it off to you. But we're going to be going through that. Our, our, is it your desire this year to grow more and more and more into, a, into the character of Christ? He'll call, he'll call us all to account. What are you doing with your personal relationship? What are the decisions you make in your marriage? Again, all, all of these things. Are you going to be hospitable in all areas of your life and share? And if your life is demanded from you, what will it say? What, what will it say? Who will get what you have invested in? Will it simply be a few possessions that will be sold and given to in an inheritance? Or will they be eternal possessions that you have passed on to your family, to your friends, to your coworkers, that they are impacted by the fact that you have been rich towards God? So we all have decisions to make. This is a sermon of great importance. Okay, they all are. But as the new year begins, this is a sermon of great importance. Let us all make the decision today, and this is not this year, today, that we will be rich toward God. Amen?